arms. Give it your all. We'll, we'll drink, drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls and then the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tales of Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin. Today we're jumping into chapter 47, To Race the Shadow. So, we had just previously in chapter 46 covered Matt essentially getting to the palace, getting into the palace successfully, and moving his way through, meeting, or overhearing a plot against Elaine and Morgays, and being, I guess, finding uh, a guard's lieutenant. Uh, Talonvor, and basically leads him to the queen, gives her the letter. He learns a thing or two about who's the advisor of the queen, Lord Gabriel, and is ushered out after being questioned for a hot minute. So we're picking up basically with him being escorted out by Talonvor, and they're heading behind these gates backwards, but he's ended up coming to the front gate. And there they see the fat officer, uh, Elber, with the rat eyes, and he's with the, the guards, and he sees Matt, and his face kind of goes really, really red, like he's angry. But before he could really do anything, Talonvor tells Elber that he delivered a letter to the queen from the daughter heir, and that Elber should be glad that Morgays or Gabriel didn't know that he tried to keep the letter from him, because Lord Gabriel was most interested in Lady Elaine's missive. And Elber's face went red to white as his collar, and deservedly so. But he glares at Matt, but then scuttles back to the line of guardsmen, with his beady eyes peering out the bars of his face guards to make sure nobody saw any of his fear. So, Matt tells Talonvor thank you, and says, fare you well. And just forgets about the uh, fat man until he sees him. But he heads across the Oval Plaza, not walking too fast, but... Also surprised when Talonvor walks along. And he's like, whoa. It's like, Matt's not sure. He's like, is he Gabriel's man or more gazes? And he's beginning to feel an itch between his shoulder blades, like a knife's about to go in. And he's like, he doesn't know, burn me. Gabriel doesn't suspect I know. But the young officer eventually says something. He's like, did you spend long in Tarvalon, in the White Tower, long enough to learn anything of it? And Matt's like, uh, I was only there for three days. And he's being really, really cautious about it. He's like, well, I would have made time less. If he could have delivered the letter without admitting he ever been to Tarvalon, he would have. But he didn't think that the man would believe he had gone all the way to see his sister and left the same exact day. Which is fair enough. He's like, what other light is he after? He's like, oh, I learned what I saw in that time. Nothing of any importance. They did not guide me around and tell me things. I was only there to see Elsie. He's like, well, you have to have sir, something, man. Who's Shiriam, and does talking to her in a study mean anything? And Matt's like, I... he's inside. He's he's like so relieved because he's like, I actually don't know anything. Yes, <laughs> authenticity. And he's like, I I don't know. And he's like, I, I I don't know who she is. He's like. Maybe he's thinking, maybe he knows Egwene or Nynaeve mentioned in the name, or I said I. He's like, why should it mean something? And Talonvor's like, I don't know, but there's too much I don't know, and sometimes I think she is trying to say something. Then he gives Matt a sharp look. He's like, are you a loyal Enderman, Tom Grimwell? He's like, of course I am. 
It's like, if I say that much more often, I might actually start believing it. It's like, what about you? Do you serve Morgaze and Gabriel loyally? Talonvor gives him a look. It's very hard. And he's like, I serve Morgaze, Tom Grinwell. Her, I serve to the death. Fare you well. And he turns and strides back towards the palace, hand gripping his sword hilt. Needless to say, not on the greatest of terms, but at least Matt has an idea of where he stands. And he's like, well... I'll wager this, holding Gabriel's uh, leather purse a toss, and he's like, Gabriel says the same. And he's like, whatever the things they're talking about in the palace, the games they're playing, he didn't want to play any of that. But he meant to find Egwene and the others and make sure they're not in that game either. He's like, fool, I mean, I have to keep their bacon from burning instead of looking after my own. But he doesn't start to run until the streets hit him from the palace. Then he comes dashing into the Queen's Blessing. Not much has changed in the library. Tom and Basil are still over the set of stones board, but it's a different game. And he sees the position of the stones that Gil's not doing that good, much less like the previous game. Um, he's just kind of there, and he's like, I'm going to leave, Master Gil. You can keep the coin and take a meal out of it. I'll stay as long enough to eat, but I'm on the road to Tyr. And Tom's like, what's your hurry? And he's watching the cat nearby more than he's watching the board. He's like, we just got here. And Basil's like, oh, so you delivered Lady Elaine's letter then. And kept your skin whole, it seems. Did you actually climb over the wall like the other guy? Doesn't matter. Did the letter soothe her? Do we have to keep walking on tiptoes? Come on, man. And Basil's like, well, I guess it soothed her. Maybe. But then he bounces Gabriel's purse in his hand, makes a clinking sound. He hadn't looked to see if it really held ten gold marks, but the weight was about right. How does he know the weight's right? How, like, yeah, he has a lot of gold, and he definitely has more than ten gold, but he's never held gold up to this point, so in that short time, he's got to have an idea of how much it weighs. That's just strange, but something he must have learned, I guess. He's like... Uh, Mr. Gill, can you tell me about Gabriel, aside from, obviously, he doesn't like Aes Sedai. You know, you said he had, hadn't been in Camelon very long. Tom's like, what do you want to know about him for? Basil, move a stone for crying out loud. And then Keeper just sighs, sticks a black stone on the board, and then Gleeman shook his head. Obviously, not a good move. <clears throat> and we're going to go ahead and read this part. Well, lad, Gill said, there's not much to tell. He came out of the west during the winter. Somewhere out your way, I think. Maybe it was the two rivers. I've heard the mountains mentioned. We have no lords in the two rivers, Matt said. Maybe there are some up around Barillon. I do not know. That could be it, lad. I had never even heard of him before, but I do not keep up with the country lords. Came while Morgaze was still in Tarvalon, he did. And half the city was afraid the tower was going to make her disappear, too. The other half did not want her back. The riots started up again, the way they did last year at the Tale of Winter. Matt shook his head. I do not care about politics, Master Gill. It's Gabriel I want to know about. Tom frowned at him and began cleaning the dottle from his long stem pipe with a straw. It is Gabriel I'm telling you about, lad, Gill said. During the riots, he made himself leader of the faction supporting Morgays. Got himself wounded in the fighting, I hear. And by the time she returned, he had it all suppressed. Gareth Bryn did not like Gabriel's methods, 
He can be a very hard man. But Morghese was so pleased to find order restored that she named him to the post Elida used to hold. The innkeeper stopped. Matt waited for him to go on, but he did not. Tom thumbed his pipe full of tobacco and walked over to light a spill at the lamp, small lamp kept for the purpose on the mantel above the fireplace. What else? Matt asked. The man has to have reasons for what he does. If he marries Morghese, would he be king when she dies? If Elaine were dead, I mean. Tom choked lighting his pipe and Gil laughed. Andor has a queen, lad. Always a queen. If Morghese and Elaine both died, the light send it not so, then Morghese's nearest family, female relative would take the throne. At least there's no question of who that is this time. A cousin, the Lady Dylan. Not like the succession, after Tigraine vanished. It took two years before Morghese sat on the Lion Throne. Then, Dylan could keep Gabriel as her advisor or marry him to cement the line, though she would not likely do that unless Morghese had had a child by him. But he would be the prince consort even then. No more than that, thank the light. Morghese is a young woman yet, and Elaine is healthy. Right. The letter did not say she is ill, did it? So we learn a little bit in this about where this Lord Gabriel came from. Allegedly, anyway. It's, it's just assumed that, you know, I heard this is where he's from. But Matt's like, well, it couldn't have been over by my area because I don't know anybody like that. But then again, I'm not familiar with the area. And then we learned that he made his appearance while Morghese was out of town. The riots popped up, and he joins the faction that supports her and puts puts down the other riots. Or the rioters, I should say. And we also learned that even if Morghese dies, Gabriel wouldn't be able to be king. Because Andor doesn't have kings. And we learn that since Andor has always had queens, if Morghese and Elaine both died, then Lady Dylan, Morghese's cousin, would succeed. So she could marry him or keep him as advisor, but more likely only if Morghese had a child by him. He'd be Prince Consort than not anything higher than that, which I don't know how much power that would actually give him. Um, now the question would be is if, <clears throat> if she mar or if, well, I guess it's not so much a question. He kind of covered that, but it's like if, if she died and Gabriel was the only one left, would he still be in a position of power? Or would it pass directly to the first female cousin, regardless? which makes it sound like it would be moving to the next female uh, relative. Now, question, if Gabriel has devious plots and thoughts on things, and he eliminated all the female relatives, uh, would he be the next one in line, or is it just anybody under the sun who wants to contest for the throne? You know, it's... It's that strange concept where you're like, I don't really know what's going on, but it's a little bit more complicated because it's royalty politics. 
you know, that sort of thing. But Matt's like, no, 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 she's, she's fine, at least for now. Is there anything else you can tell me about him? I, you don't seem to like him. Why is that? And Gazel's like, Basil Gill's like, I, I don't really know. I, I don't think I'd like him marrying more gays, but I don't know why. He's allegedly a very fine man. Nobles all look to him. I, I don't like that most of the men he's brought into the guards, but too much has changed since he's been here, but I can't lay it all at his door. There's just too many people muttering in the corner since he arrived, and you'd think we were in Kyrian the way they were before the Civil War, all plotting and trying to find an advantage. I keep having bad dreams since Gabriel came, and I'm not the only person. Full thing to worry about dreams is probably only, you know, worrying about Elaine more gaze means to do the concerning the White Tower, but people just acting Kyrian and in general. I don't know, but why are you asking all this? Now, I'd like to point out that he's having bad dreams and he's not the only one. Tuck that away for later because you've already experienced this once. So this might lead you to a couple hints into what you should be expecting. But he's like, why do you want to ask, why do you want to know this stuff about Lord Gabriel? And he's like, well, because he wants to kill Elaine and a Gwen and Nynaeve. But what Gil had told him wasn't very useful as far as he could see. He's like, burn me, I don't know why he wants them dead, but I have to stop it. So both men are just staring at him like he's crazy. And Gil's like, are you coming down sick? I remember you looking cross crossways at everyone last time. It's either that or you think this is sort of a prank. And you have the look of a prankster, but it's not a it's, it's a very nasty prank. And Matt's like, it's no bloody prank. I overheard him talking to some guy named Komar, telling him to cut off Elaine's head. And Egwene and Nynaeve's while he's about it. It's a big man with a white stripe in his beard. And Gil's like, well, that, that does sound like Lord Komar. He was a fine soldier, but said he left the guard over some matter of weighted dice. Not that anyone says it to his face. Komar was one of the best blades in the guards. You really mean that, don't you? And Tom's like, I think he does, Basil. I very much think he does. And Gil's like, the light shine on us. Why did, what did Morgay say? You did tell her, didn't you? The light burn you. You did tell her. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously. You know, Gabriel's standing right there and her gazing at him like a little sick puppy. You know, I might just be a simple village man, your highness, who just climbed over a wall half an hour past, but I already happen to know your trusted advisor here, the one you seem to be in love with, tends to murder your daughter. Light, Basil. I ha she'd have my head cut off. And Tom's like, yeah, she probably would. Her temper was ever as sudden as lightning and twice as dangerous. So there's a little bit on Morghese's temperament. And Gil's like, oh, you know that better than most, Tom. And he's kind of like feeling kind of empty, just staring at nothing. And he's like, there's got to be something we could do. I haven't held a sword since, you know, the Aiel War, but I wouldn't do any good. I'd just get myself killed and nothing would come of it. But I have to do something. And Tom's like, well, rumor. No one can keep rumors from reaching Morghese's ears, and if she hears it strongly enough, she'll start to wonder. Rumor is the voice of the people, and the voice of the people often speaks truth. Morghese knows that. There's not a man alive I would back against her in the game. Love or no love, once Morghese starts examining Gabriel closely, he'll not be able to hide as much as his childhood scars from her. And if she learns he means to harm Elaine, 
he puts a stone on the board and seems kind of odd, but Matt knows that in three moves, a third of Gil's stones are going to be trapped. Lord Gabriel's going to have the most elaborate funeral. And Gil's like, ah, game of houses. You and your bloody game of houses. But it might work. And he has a smile on his face, and he's like, I actually know who to tell to start it. All I have to do is mention to Gilda that I dreamed it, and in three days she'll have told serving girls in half the new city that it is a fact. She's the greatest gossip the creator ever made. Well, bless her for that. Tom's like, no, just be careful and make sure it can't be traced to you. He's like, ah, don't worry about that. Why, a week ago, a man told me one of my own bad dreams is a thing he'd heard from somebody who had it from somebody else. Gilda must have been eavesdropping on it when I told Colleen, but when I asked, he gave me a string of names that led all the way to the other side of Camelin and vanished. I even went over there and found the last man just out of curiosity to see how many miles that had passed, and he claimed it was his very own dream. Obviously, these people don't get out very often. <laughs> but this guy was really convinced, so you could tell that guy's a normie. But he's like, don't worry about it, Tom. Matt's like, I don't really even care about your rumors. Rumors are going to help Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine. But he's a little puzzled. He's like, you know, Tom, you're taking us a bit calmly. I thought Morghese was the great love of your life. And then we get, like, really serious, where Tom looks into the bowl of his pipe. And he's like, Matt, a very wise woman once told me that time would heal my wounds. That time smoothed everything over. I didn't believe her, only she's right. Now, if I recall correctly, that was Morghese who told him... But it was in, I think, reference to his nephew. So, it's kind of a oof. from A double oof, I guess, from both sides. Um, it's like, well, so you don't you don't love Morghese? It's like, boy, I'd been 15 years since I left Camelin half a step ahead of the headsman's axe with the ink of Morghese's signature still wet on the warrant. Sitting here listening to Basil natter on. Because, like, that was nattering. He's like, you natter on, I do say about Morghese and Gabriel and how they might marry, I realized that passion faded a long time ago. Oh, I suppose I, you know, fond of her, maybe even love her a bit, but it's just not a grand passion anymore. <laughs> and he's like, I hear I thought, halfway at least, that you'd go running to the palace to warn her. And he's surprised when Tom joins him. He's like, I'm not so big a fool as that. Any fool knows men and women think differently at times, but the biggest difference is this. Men forget, but never forgive. Women forgive, but never forget. Morghese might kiss my cheek and give me a cup of wine and see how she had missed me, but then she let, let the guards haul me off to prison and the headsman. No, Morghese is one of the most capable women I've ever known, and that is saying something. I could almost pity Gabriel once she learns that what he's up to. Tear, you say? Any chance we could wait till tomorrow to leave? I could use a night's sleep. And Matt's like, I mean to be as far towards tears as I can before nightfall. But he blinks. He's like, wait a minute. Are you, are you coming with me? I thought you were going to stay here. And Tom's like, were you not listening? I just said I decided not to have my cut my head cut off. You know, tear sounds safer place than me than Camelin, and suddenly that doesn't seem so bad. Besides, I like those girls. And he twirls the knife that it randomly appeared in his hand and disappeared. It's like, I did not like to think that anything would happen to them. But if you mean to reach Tyr quickly, it's Gill you want. A fast boat will have us there days sooner than horses, even if we rode them to death. And I don't say it just because my bottom has already taken the shape of a saddle. It's like, all right, well, 
Off to Erangel, then, as long as it's fast. And Gil's like, well, I suppose if you're leaving, lad, I better see about getting you that meal. And he pushes back his chair and heads through the door. Matt's like, hold this for me, Master Gil, and tosses him Lord Gabriel's leather purse. What's this, lad? Coin? Steaks. Gabriel doesn't know it, but he and I have a wager. And the cat jumps away as Matt picks up the wooden dice cup and spun the dice on the table. Five sixes. And I always win. Now, I'd like to clarify this, since if you read the rest of the series, he doesn't always win. Short term. He almost always wins, it feels like, every time we've gone through all these different endeavors of his with dicing. It feels like he's won every single one so far. Now, it does mention that he loses, you know, here and there and whatnot to keep people from being suspicious, but he's okay with that. It's not like a loss-loss. It's, it's like a feint. He's making them warm up to him, thinking, oh, oh, you know, you've got triple the odds. You could take all my gold, yada, yada, yada. And they put everything on the line because they're greedy. And then he takes it from them. <clears throat> and it's the nature of gambling, which is why you shouldn't gamble, kids. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it seems like he always wins in the long term because, as we saw in Tarvalon, he, he basically went gambling and dicing and by the time he was done boom he came out with multiple purses filled with gold silver copper the whole shebang and just i think he went to a money changer at some point and got him to mostly gold but it's just like he, he knows what he's getting into and he understands that he's got this weird luck to him so always win is kind of a misnomer it's it seems to be he always wins in the end. Like, over the long the long haul, he's going to win. He might lose a couple dice tosses, but at the end of the game, by the time he steps away from the table, he will have more than he walked walked in with. So. But that's it. It's a very, very short chapter. So, sorry, there wasn't a whole lot into it, but I don't write the chapters, I just read them. <laughs> and I describe certain aspects. <clears throat> there's some cool descriptions about the palace and gives you some scenery stuff, but I'll let you read that yourselves. Um, I obviously love Matt chapters, so this is really, really fun for me, but I really hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I do, because I always enjoy Matt's episodes. Or rather, chapters, I suppose. Um, but now we have this what seems to be a high stakes, high pay, fast paced game where he's going to go kind of crazy on it, but we'll see how that turns out. So thanks everybody for hanging out for this chapter. Next time we'll have chapter 48 and we're going to jump POV for that uh, next chapter. Um, but the story is flowing pretty quickly and we are really getting close to the end of this book, which will be interesting. And the next book is everyone's universally loved favorite book. So we're getting really close to basically the, the tip of the roller coaster, if you will. You know how like first couple books are the build up and they get up to the peak and then it just swooshes and everything goes really fast. And 
a whole lot of things happen because of it. And it's like a domino effect, but in like a, a genealogy line of just roots going in different directions, touching different stories. So we'll get some interesting stuff. But yeah, once again, thank you for hanging out. <clears throat> I hope you'll join for chapter 48. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Tales of a Red Arm, um, on Twitter, at Tales of a Red Arm, or you can also uh, reach me directly at talesofredarm at gmail.com uh, if you'd like to get a hold of me for anything, whether it's, you know, asking questions, have a comment on something I said, or would like to correct me on something or add to something, would love to hear it and possibly put it into the one of the episodes. Um, you can also contact me through email for the Discord server if you would like access to it. Um, it'd be nice to get people in there so they can all talk about what they think might happen in the story if they're new or if they're veterans, they can talk about something, you know, possible theories that they have about the outside of the story with what Robert Jordan wrote and how they think it influences the inside of the story or whatever. It's, it's, everything's possible in that regard. Um, you should be able to get access to them also from Twitter and Facebook, I believe. But if you can't, just send me an email, make it simple, and just send you the link. Um, love to hear from you guys. So thanks once again, and we'll see you next one in chapter 48. Until then. We drink all night and dance all day, and on the girls we'll spend our pay. And when we're done, then we'll away to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and some of the girls be they short or tall, and follow young Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and some of the girls be they short or tall, then follow Lord Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hug the maids, it could be worse Let's ride away with the dark woods first To dance with Jack of the Shadows Yeah!